the greatest love. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, hello. What's up? What's up? Welcome to a bonus episode of The One Inch Barrier. I am your host, Juan Carlos Sahano, and I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy. All right. So this is the last episode of the 2016 retrospective where we talk about the films nominated alongside Iran's The Salesman. Um, we've already done with Denmark's Land of Mine, Sweden's A Man Called Uva, and Australia's Tana. Um, I hope you had like a good Christmas, everyone. And I hope you're going to spend like a happy holidays until we reach New Year. Um, all right. So full episodes of this retrospective would be on Patreon. Um, so this season, we did two retrospectives. So 2017 and 2016, all total of eight episodes are available on Patreon. So I hope you check that out. And consider supporting this podcast because we're doing world cinema and only world cinema. All right. So uh, for this episode, we are talking about Germany's official submission for best foreign language film at the 89th Academy Awards. We are talking about Tony Erdmann, co-produced, written and directed by Marin Ade. So for a quick summary, this is about a father to a very workaholic woman um, working as a consultant in multiple companies. And the father is a prankster. And they don't have like, um, a very close relationship. So he starts following her. And because of that, they start spending more time with one another. And they try to reconnect. But since he's a prankster, it's not as sentimental as it sounds. So that's a quick summary of Tony Erdman. So our guest for this episode is from the Dominican Republic. And unlike the last episode, he's really there in the Dominican Republic this time. Um, he was a guest in the 1988 episode where we talk about Pelé the Conqueror and the films of that year. Um, one of the longest episodes of this podcast so far. He's a cinephile and an Oscar completist. He really is. All right. So I'm so happy to have him back. Please welcome Ronaldo Souza. Hi, Ronaldo. Thank you so much for joining me in this kind of setup of this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me back. And like, hopefully people don't have to sit through four hours again. Yeah, we like are going to be shorter. Yeah, we are going to be shorter than Tony Erdman itself. Um, so can you tell our listeners where can they find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter and R-F-A-N-T-A-N-A 2024. R-S-A-N-T-A-N-A 2024. And yeah, that's pretty much all I do. I mean, I don't have anything else. Do you have Letterboxd? Oh yeah, that too. But there's probably a link in my profile. You can find it there. Yep. All right. So, Ronaldo. Okay. Um, I I want to ask a question. Did it give this year? Did it, did it give this film to you, or did you ask for it? No, you gave me something else. I don't remember what it was. I think it was from the year before. And I asked if I could do <laughs> Tony Erdman instead. I know which room you're talking about. <laughs> I know. Um, so, Tony Erdman is a film that you really uh, specifically asked to be on. Um, I'm not even going to ask you, like, what do you think of it? I'm going to ask... Why did you want to talk about Tony Erdman? Well, I have a history with this movie because I saw it when it was in theaters here when it first came out. And I, it was like a, a real 
citizens that I got to see it because I remember that I went to a theater and I was going to watch two movies. I was 17 at the time and I was going to watch, I think it was like the Lego Batman movie and I was going to mm-hmm. watch, I don't know if it was Logan later, but Logan, I couldn't see it because I was on my own and I was 17 and you have to be 18 or older to watch it. So I couldn't watch it. And then I didn't want to go home. So I just went to another theater <laughs> that was closed. And that's a theater that there's around here that they show like the small indies and Tony Erdman was playing there and I watched it. And that was like probably one of the best experiences that I've had in, in a theater ever. Because like there were, there were a lot of people there which you wouldn't expect from a movie that small. Like it was mostly old people, <laughs> but it was really great. Like everyone was into it and people were laughing and like the scene at the party, like naked party, like everyone was just like <laughs> howling. <laughs> <And> people... <laughs> so yeah, that was a really great experience. And I had never I hadn't watched it since then. So I really wanted to obviously to see how I felt about it now because I still loved it as much. And I did. All right, so you still love Tony Erdman. Um, yeah, so can you expound on that? What What do you love? Because you already have a relationship on with this film. Um, can you expound on like why do you love Tony Erdman and like, um, yeah. Well, the thing I couldn't like articulate it at the time, but the thing that I that connected with me that I realize now is that. I have a similar relationship with my dad. Like, it's not the same. Like, he's not such a jokester. He doesn't make jokes like that. And he doesn't, he's not as silly as the guy, Tony Erdman. But, like, uh, my mom and my dad divorced when I was eight. And then I stayed with my mom and I didn't see him very often. And now when I see him, we don't have, like, that connection. He's, like, almost like a stranger. Uh, like we're not that close, so I can relate to Sandra Huller's character Ines, and how, like he's trying, like he's making an effort to make to re- rebuild that connection, but it's just like not, like a lot of the time when a lot of the times when he's trying to do something, it just makes things worse. So yeah, it was probably that, and I just think it's really well made because the movie is almost three hours long and it's really hard to keep something that long engaging when it's just like dialogue and there isn't really that much happening like it's just very long scenes of like awkward interactions and it's like so funny i just love the movie yeah i i i really agree on that one i mean this the the runtime like two hours 42 it seems very very intimidating but you know, I've seen this film for the 2016 episode, I think. I think that was the first time I've seen it. Um, I always dread... R- r- I mean, I'm an advocate for, like... Uh, I respect filmmakers when they have a runtime um, that they have decided on. I, I, I As long as you're delivering. Uh, because you can have, like, a three-hour film and it flies by. And you can have, like, an 80-minute film and... What the heck? Why am I doing this? Uh, with Tony Erdman, it's like the idea of the runtime can be intimidating, but once it starts, it doesn't really let go. Um, and it's not even because of... I'm going to get closer to the mic. It's not even because of um, 
so much action is happening. Uh, it is a film that is driven by observing human behavior at its most awkward, at its most detached, at its most um, uncomfortable. But the film doesn't want you to look away. It just wants you to sit there and experience it. Um, and it is so well made because the craft in sustaining not just interest, but engagement and connection and that runtime is a difficult thing to pull off. And it's not even just like in passing. I, I tried watching it in passing. It doesn't work. It pulls you in with a humor that is so, I don't know, so cynical, so... Deadpan. So, yeah, that's like the actors are never playing the comedy. Like everyone is taking <laughs> everything so seriously. It just makes it even funnier. Like there is... Yeah. Uh, there's a line at the beginning, like the same when you first see them meet, and then at the end when Tony, well, his character's real name is like Win Winfrey, is it? Yeah, and then he's leaving, and then like the look that Sandra Hiller gives him, she's like, "What's going on with this guy?" Because <laughs> it's him with the makeup on his face, because he shows up like with clown makeup for some reason, and it's never really explained why. <laughs> But it just establishes, like, their relationship from the very beginning. And you can tell, like, without any dialogue, just from the way that they interact and they look at each other, you can tell that he, that they're not very close, that he probably was an, abs an absent father when she was younger. And that's probably why they, they're not as close now. And, yeah, it really establishes, like, the dynamic between every character from the very beginning. And, like I said, they don't really they're not really trying to make you laugh they're just playing out the scenes that they are and like the situations are funny but they're not like playing into it if you know what I mean yeah why do you think it works with this one because I think that's a very difficult thing to pull off to be and especially with humor I think um film filmmaking a humor in filmmaking most of the time requires us to really like like take a plunge go in um and it's so orchestrated mm -hmm. with this one of course it is orchestrated it is directed but it feels as if things are unfolding on its own and yet it works so well why do you think how do you think i don't know why and how do you think it works i think like a big part of that is the performances because you could have actors that just don't give you anything because there is like a big risk with a movie like this of the actors just like feeling lifeless and doing nothing. Because especially with Ines' character, she's very closed off. She's very serious and she doesn't really give you much. But then the way that Sandra Hiller plays her, she, she gives like this looks of like bewilderment every time that he's doing something. Like there's that scene where she's talking to her friends about her dad and saying like how his dog just died and now he's having like a crisis and then you see him in the back when he turns around wearing the wig <laughs> it was like a jump scare in a horror movie <laughs> the way that she looks at him she's yeah. kind of disoriented for a second and she doesn't really know what to do and she kind of plays along with it <laughs> but uh, I think that 
she is the reason why it works. Like the all the actors are good, but she, her especially, I think that she gives like an incredible performance because it's a really hard role to play and to make interesting and engaging. But there's like all the looks that she gets and her facial expression and like all her line readings. I remember one in particular, which is the scene where they when they're when uh, the thing where she has the when the thing falls on in she, or her nail breaks and when he's like telling her dad to leave yeah he leaves her house at the beginning and there's one line in particular when he's telling her that uh that if, if she's happy with her life or something like that and then she tells him like even if i wanted to jump out the window like the combination of you and she's greater wouldn't change that <laughs> Like she says really cruel things, but yeah, yeah. I think it's all in Central Heller. She's the reason why this movie works. Yeah, I think I I really agree. It's a the more I think about that performance, the more I'm astounded and how she pulled it off. It's it's so well calibrated. I think it's it's a marriage of fantastic actors and a direction that is so precise, because. I'm thinking about it because I was trying to imitate her while I was watching it, you know, just like one of those crazy actor things. But if she becomes just a little bit more expressive, then it's too much. If she becomes so deadpan and it's lifeless, she walks a very fine line of the deadpan humor and yet the presentness is there and you know that the deadpan isn't so much as lifelessness of the performance but it's the lifelessness of the character um and it's a it's 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 bewildering how the, how she pulls it off because um that scene where they were in the bar and she was talking about like is it bar like um, an outdoor like yeah, or diner yeah where she was like oh my father blah 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 and then the father turns and she surprised i tried to do that i'm too expressive it won't work in this film but her reaction is so perfect i think but it's just an encapsulation of how you pull off such a dry deadpan humor that is actually so loaded and it's it is stylized because that's probably not normal human behavior but um because of their characters um, it feels so real. Um, Aaron Ada is what is going on in her head when she did this? It's I want to know because comedy is so hard to do. This kind much even harder. Um, I was always I was really thinking of how like the film focused on the father daughter dynamic. Um, but I think what really stuck with me the most is how it. Of course, the father-daughter relationship is is the source. It's, it's the heart of the film. It's the source of much of the humor and at the same time, that undercurrent of heartbreak because, you know, they're strangers and like the, the, the almost <laughs> antagonistic feeling that she had with his father, especially when she, he, he was checking on her but he hid in the closet and she was like <laughs> naked. Like, um, that is 
you feel their relationship growing even though at the surface it's antagonistic or even though she oh, she's like hating him but i am so drawn so surprised on how the film integrated like european like socioeconomic layers to it mm-hmm. it's it is not it doesn't feel put on <laughs> it feels seamless it gets the politics in the film are just they feel like they're more like shadings instead of downright topics because it's integrated in a character but it's so matter of fact and yet it's so striking um how, yeah what do you think of that aspect because there's so much talk about like going to other countries romania germany europe that kind of thing um how do you think that goes in um and especially like you know with the father daughter relationship and that kind of like um becoming the themes of the film that just like goes at um head to head yeah i think that it really adds to the film because that's the brief that's part of the reason why the whole conflict starts because uh tony i don't uh I, I'm just going to call him Tommy the entire time. Tony. He goes to Romania to see how she's living, how she's doing in work and stuff. And then he says how her life is and how she maybe doesn't feel as at home because she's in a different country. And like, I think her boss is also German. But like the way that she's treated by the other people in the room, like how when they're at the dinner, with the with her client the person that, and she says something that the client doesn't want her to say and then like the way that interaction happens and tony sees like how this environment like the work environment isn't really good for her and how she isn't really living a fulfilling life because she has to be so work focused and she can really do anything else with her life like even in the the time that they go to the spa and like someone calls her to do something and she has to go like right away and she can even enjoy herself in that moment and that's why he feels like he needs to do all the ridiculous things that he does but like going like even from the very first moment that you see him and he just goes to her place of work and he's just sitting there waiting for her and then he puts on the glasses and the like the dentures that he puts on yeah. and he starts walking alongside her like waiting for her to recognize him and then she just ignores him and goes in. it's uh yeah i think that the 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 political social situation isn't really like a point in the film like it's not never really addressed but I think that it adds to the to the way that Ines is like not happy. It adds to her unhappiness and her feeling like trapped in this place that she can't really do anything and she has to work and work and work and work. Yeah, I I, I do agree. It is it's it's all around the film. It is in the way they talk about like business and the the, the places she goes to, the things that she do that she does. Um, and we feel like, you know, it's one of the, also the brilliance of this film is that when Tony comes in, it feels like such a, he's such a weirdo coming in 
And then everyone is playing their roles in this corporate world. But there's this one scene where I think they're like in a, I don't know, drilling site or construction site. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where one of the yeah. workers was fired because he wasn't wearing like gloves. So Tony was going to pee or take a shit, I think. <laughs> and like this poor family, this poor man from a poor family, um, like there is a comfort room here. And at the end, after they went to the comfort room, um, they found out that, you know, the area is going to be modernized. So they're probably going to kick the poor family. But they, the man gave him apples, which then became like their donation or like um, um, a gift to the funeral service or like the wake. Um, but I think that scene hit hard, hit me hard this viewing because it's such a stark contrast. These people that are rich, that are in the corporate world, are so... They don't have semblance of, like, humanity. It's as if um, the corporate world is doing dehumanization. It takes away the human side of the human beings. That's why uh, Ines, right? Ines was this kind of, like, stoic, almost like a robot. Just like... You know, my client is there, so you know I'll have to go to the mall and join. Oh, I'm happy. I don't know what happy even means. It's like for her, happiness is a big word. Like, but you know, his father then, when they are in a situation where like their worlds collide, the poor and the, the privileged in the corporate world, mm-hmm. his father fits seamlessly. So then the contrast is made so strongly, and yet they don't even utter a word about like how the corporate world is damaging the souls of the people here that are especially in this we see her not have any relationships um she's willing to kick out a friend at a naked party like you're not naked go um she's willing to do that she is willing to have sex like i'm not really in the mood just come on the dessert out and i'll eat it and she ate it and I don't even know, like, what was she trying to show him that she dominates or, like, she doesn't care about the sex? Or it's like, um, but even the source of, like, you know, sex is, is not, <laughs> I just love how that sex scene was directed because it was, like, so deadpan. And the guy is not deadpan, but he, she's, like, so, like, I'm just, like, you know, I'm not really in the mood, just, like come there i don't know and i'll eat it but it's so expertly expertly done but it the film goes into these lengths that for us we just see it as like an absurd scenario but when contextualized in the world that she's in you know we get small glimpses of the life outside of the corporate world we see how ridiculously lifeless it is and i think it's a vivid it's like a sneaky critique of the world she's living in because at first we feel just like, you know, this is the world. And I realized like their world is doesn't have life. And I think it does it so well. And when the film utilizes deadpan humor to show how lifeless it is, it's really striking. It is I would even say it's ambitious. Because then the humor comments on the geopolitics comments on the corporate lifestyle with observational cringe humor. It is, 
I, 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 I don't know how to really word it out. I feel like I am being pretentious when I verbalize it, but it's it's a testament to how how tricky it is on filmmaking terms to do that and to do it in two hours and forty two minutes. It's it's some uh, the audacity of this Marinada is just like astonishingly high. It it is risky work. It is very risky. Yeah, and even in the the point in the film that I think comes the closest to verbalizing that is in the scene that you mentioned when the when the guy takes him to the bathroom and then he gives him the apples. Because it's Tony that gets that guy fired unintentionally because he sees him that, that he has mm-hmm. the hands dirty because he doesn't have the gloves on and he starts telling him like, oh, you yeah, like that's bad or something like that. And then the supervisor sees them and tells him like, oh yeah, that's bad. You're not supposed to do that. Like that's not the security protocol. Mm-hmm. And then Tony talks him like, please don't fire him. And he's like, no, I am going to fire him. And then he goes to his daughter and he asked her, asked her, like, please tell him not to fire that guy. And she's like, why? If he fires him, that's one less person that I have to fire. Yeah. And also in the sex scene that you mentioned, like, my favorite part is that it all started because of a joke, because he said that uh, Tim, I think his name is, he tells her that like their boss found out that they're together. And then he told her, like, oh, don't fuck her too hard, and maybe her, she'll lose her fight after that. And then she starts telling him, like, oh, I think my, like, like I like my fight too much. I don't want to do it. And, yeah. Yeah, I also think that that scene was really well done. And that's... Like, before that, we don't even know that they're together. And you just see her, like, go in a dress to his room and then knock. Hey, what's up? Thank you for listening to this preview of this bonus episode. If you want to hear more, please head to patreon.com slash theoneinchbarrier. For only $4 a month, not only do you have full access to bonus episodes, but you also get early access to regular episodes. Again, thank you so much. And together, let's break the one-inch barrier.